Welcome to the Word of Smart Podcast, brought to you by Anchor FM, YouTube, and all good podcast providers. Hello and welcome to episode 3 of the Word Smart Podcast, and today obviously we are on the eve of Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. I actually messed that up a little bit last week because, or Wednesday as it were, on the second episode because going into that I was thinking that Tyson versus Jones was actually on the Friday so I'll be able to kind of do a a review of it on this episode but I think we're going to have to do a little bit more of a kind of prediction of who's going to come out on top. It's, It's a bit more... It's easy enough to round up in a way, but it's kind of difficult to make a, a stern choice for me just because of, of who's in there. Roy Jones Jr. was, you know, one of my favourites of all time, especially in the light heavyweight division. Um, and then obviously Mike Tyson, you can't really... Who do you vote against Mike Tyson? I mean, people say... Obviously, Muhammad Ali and so on, but Mike Tyson has just got that representation of being the baddest man on the planet. Iron Mike, like you don't touch Iron Mike. So it's it's a hard contest in that aspect of just who to choose. Um, but the I've got a an idea of how I think it will go, depending on how the actual um, battle goes in the ring and the reasons why I think it will be. So we'll get into that a little bit later. The format might change a little bit on this episode. A couple of different things I want to run over because this one isn't actually fully planned like the other ones had a bit more of a format to them. This one I was thinking probably talking a little bit about Dame Lillard, Alan Iverson and my reason for having a comparison between the two. Um, Also, NBA 2K21, the my career aspect, because I think it's kind of cool. And the KO Pellicle GTA DLC that's going to come December 12th, we're going to talk about that. I also, probably not on this episode, but eventually I want to come round to speaking about The Godfather Coda, which is the remake of Godfather 3, or the restart and re-end of The Godfather 3. Um, I actually liked that movie in itself, which is like completely the opposite to most people. They found that to be the worst one, and the letting down factor. A lot of people are hoping that what Francis has done will kind of re allow them to reevaluate that. But I'm not too sure if that's going to happen. For me, it was a great movie anyway. But there you go. Um, there is actually. Something else I should mention, so I'm going to get into that right now. Roy Jones Jr. Mike Tyson. Joyce versus the boys. There is a lot going on right now in boxing. Some corny undercards, but uh, forget all that. We also have the arrival of eSports Boxing, the first video game since EA Fight Night Champion. And it's coming very soon. 
and I want you to keep an eye on that and it will come to the channel as soon as it is available. A side note to all of that is there is a rebranding coming to podcast, YouTube, the blog, the website, everything's going to have a rebrand, we're going to a more simpler logo, elegant style, get away from that avatar. There will be artistically favoured um, thumbnails and whatnot, but we'll get to that down the road. Esports boxing, keep an eye on it, it will come soon. So, Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr., what will happen? I think the overall of this match is a lot of people seeing it as Mike Tyson is known as the baddest man on the planet. He was the most dominant when he was around. He lost a couple towards the end, but that's a usual thing with boxing in general as they get older. They're of a similar age. They're of the same type of era. Mike is just this dominant figure, the one that could have beat Muhammad Ali potentially. I think a lot of people are putting all the eggs into Mike Tyson's basket for that overall. Roy Jones Jr. was a man that dominated the light heavyweight, the super middleweight, he went up to heavyweight. He dominated in a lot of areas and was the superman, as they say, of it. At the same time, for me, they say Mike Tyson is the animal. For me, Mike Tyson is the psychological monster and Roy Jones Jr. is the animal. Now, the reason why I would say this is because Mike Tyson plays a very psychological game, or usually when he was younger, and it's kind of coming out a little bit more now in that the opponent that he sees in the ring isn't Roy Jones Jr., it's Mike Tyson. And he kind of let this slip when he speaks about, oh, I've got these these different egos, one saying, you ain't nothing, and the other one saying, ah, watch what I'm going to do to this guy. And obviously he said it a lot more explicit, but I'm trying to keep us clean on this podcast right now. <laughs> um, so yeah. From that aspect, Mike Tyson's more of a psychological monster. People don't know how to approach him. Um, he's known for being a little bit off the off the mark when it comes to mentality. And then Roy Jones Jr., well, when you saw him fight back in the day, and obviously when you see him in the ring with his punches now, not so much with his, his movements because we don't get to see too much of that, but he was like a cat he could spring around all over the place he even went on to say that he fought like the prize like bird fighting that he got involved in that he used to bet on so he's known for having that mentality of he can copy a a kind of animal's instinct in that aspect so that's why we put Roy Jones as the animal and Mike Tyson as this psychological monster because everyone, including Mike Tyson, is fearful of the psychological aspect of Mike Tyson. Everyone doesn't want to fight Mike Tyson, and this is why Mike is known for being Iron Mike, because he's hitting hot, hitting the fight-and-flight mode, and his fight mode is pushed to the limit, and that's why he's very heavy-handed. 
So, obviously the rules with this match, they've said no knockouts, then it's got to go the long way. If you think either one of these men is going to listen to that, then you are off the rocker. Now, it could potentially go that way because of age, because of, you know, because they're having to, like, live up to the match in itself. Now, the match in itself back in the day probably wouldn't have lasted that long anyway, and Mike Tyson probably would have took it back then, even though Roy Jones was someone that Mike had never faced before. He's never took on that type of challenge, not even in his prime. Someone that was that quick and kind of flexible, could spring around the ring like that, that would frustrate the hell out of Mike. So he would just go in there hammering, swinging. So... In that aspect, I think Mike has got the advantage now than what he would have had back in the day. Because back in the day, Roy was in his prime. He was a lot quicker on his feet at that point. So Mike swinging hammers, Roy's more likely to be able to take advantage of that back in the day because he's able to wear down Mike, getting the swift shots here and there. Whereas at this age, and with 12 weeks of Mike Tyson training, Roy's not as quick as what he was on his feet. He's got quick hands, but not as quick on his feet. If Mike catches him with some hammers, Roy Jones' chin is known to not be as tough as it once was. It could be night-night Roy Jones, even though technically they're not supposed to knock anyone out. We know that ain't going to work. If Mike goes, it's going down. If Mike gets that early start, it's going down. But if it goes the distance and for whatever reason Mike pulls back some, Roy Jones is maybe a little bit more quick on his feet than what we could grant him based on what we've heard of recent events, of recent matches he's had. We know his hands are still quick, so he's going to get his shots in. Um, In that aspect, Roy Jones wins the long game. It's a bit like when you had McGregor and Floyd. You knew that if it was going to end early, it was going to be McGregor. If it was going to go the long game, it was going to be Floyd. For me, it's very much the same with Mike and Roy. If it goes long, Roy has got that. If it goes quick... Tyson is taking it home now it probably would have been a whole of the game if it would have only been six weeks of training for Mike Tyson but obviously Covid changed that I think if it was that aspect Roy would have had the full-blown advantage but the fact that Tyson has had 12 weeks to train get back to blowing hammers get back into that position of mind of freaking himself out almost because he's got all these Voices going on of, you ain't nothing but I'm going to break this guy in half and all that. With that Mike starting to come to the surface, this now puts Roy at the disadvantage of an early game. So, overall I would say, if it's going to end early, it's going to be because Mike's got the hammers. If it's going to go length, it's going to be Roy Jones. Now... If they're both wanting to play by the rules of what Triller and the the boxing body of League of Legends is going by, then if you look at that standpoint, Roy Jones would win because they want them to basically have a glorified sparring match. 
so Roy is, is going to go the length. But if they break the rules in order to prove a point, which is possibly where Mike's ego is going to take him, even though he didn't look that aggressively confident in the way off, but then there's a lot of respect between Jones and Tyson. Like, something that I've mentioned is, if you would have put Tyson in this match against Floyd Money Mayweather, that weighing would have been a whole lot different. Mike would have spazzed out. Because he does not really like Floyd Mayweather. But he has a lot of respect for Roy Jones Jr. So it's a lot different as well. Because I think Roy has really came into this looking at it as... I'm the underdog in this. <laughs> I'm not going to be the one that's going to stand out. Even though in my career when I was fighting all these people... I was the one that was seen as the dominant figure. In this one, I'm the underdog. And with Tyson, he's kind of seen it with Roy, but he also knows what Roy was. So he understands the respect that Roy's putting on his name because he hasn't fought since 2004, but Roy has been fighting up until recently. The start of 2019, I think, was his last boxing match. So he knows Roy's been going the time. He knows the length of Roy's career has expanded because Roy has not fully retired at any point. So, Mike understands that someone of Roy's level that has seen the ups and downs of being a grand primal fighter when he was young to becoming someone that got knocked out by an MMA fighter, he knows that Roy's got that humbleness to him to change his goal as well. Obviously, Roy wanted to go undefeated at one point and then had to switch up his plan to be, okay, so if I become light, super middleweight, heavyweight, and back to light heavyweight, I've ultimately become something else. That's a new goal for me to set, for me to complete. Roy was able to change his goal on the flip, whereas with Mike, as soon as he was starting to take L's, he was starting to pull back a bit. And obviously 2004, he called it a day, and um, there we go. Here we are, League of Legends. I ultimately would say, as I said earlier, early fight with Mike Tyson coming out all ego blazing, he's taking that. But if this goes length, it's Roy Jones. It's hard to ultimately say how it'll go, because I don't want to believe that Either one will stick to the rules, but when they're trying to build a foundation for something for the future, it's hard to say. The only other thing that I would say should probably stand out from this is, if they are trying to build League of Legends to be this big thing, the ideal for both of them is probably for Mike to come out on top anyway, because if you've got Mike at top, you can bring in people like Lennox Lewis. You can bring people like that into the game. Whereas, if Roy Jones gets it, you're going to be bringing in guys like Steve Collins. So, what fight do people want to see? Do they want to see someone like Lennox Lewis come back into the frame? Or do they want to see someone like Steve Collins? Who do you think will win? I think it ultimately depends on where the respect is for the league in itself. And where they put themselves on an ego basis. 
If it goes hammers hard and early, Tyson. If it goes the full length, Jones Jr. Maybe I'm hoping it just a little bit too much, but KO Perico is on its way very, very soon. December 15th. And I will be jumping into that myself. The YouTube channel, the words mark on YouTube. There are still videos that I've got to go up there, the rebrand, all that stuff. But KO Perico, December 15th. Grand Theft Auto Online, the first expansion on the map. Be ready. And I'll be talking about that a little bit later on the episode. But now we're going to talk about a comparison that is highly, highly going to get me lynched on this channel, I'm sure, on this podcast channel. Now, it's not so much comparison as in style, as in the same height, as in full package. It's more to do with their position as a player in the league and their position in the player as a cultural entity. Now, player as a league, I do not mean position of play. I don't mean point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, centre. I don't mean that. I just mean their position in the Hollywood style of NBA. We know what that is, right? We know that Michael Jordan was the Hollywood phenomenon star, much like LeBron James is today. Obviously, there's a little bit more controversy around, oh, LeBron can't step to what Michael had and all this stuff that goes on. Um, But nevertheless, he's in that same position that Mike was in, in the mainframe, the face of the league. And... There's so many other positions in the league. The villain of this era or the villains of this era usually get stomped on Golden State, Stephen Curry, even though he's a likeable villain. Uh, Obviously, Durant was the biggest one. He's known as the snake villain type-esque. You could even say that Kevin Durant might be taking that villainous, uh, villainous, aspect over to the Brooklyn Nets because obviously Kyrie Irving is there and he has definitely picked up a a villain vibe with leaving Cleveland, with leaving Boston, with the many many different theories he has in mind, with the we should reopen the league, oh I can't play so no we shouldn't reopen the league, yeah he's kind of got that aspect on him as well so maybe the villains I know in Brooklyn, but nevertheless, the guy that I'm going to speak about today is Damian Lillard, and his comparison for me is Alan Iverson. Now, I know they're not the same height, obviously, I know they don't really play the same, obviously, but at the same time, they kind of have quite an aligning path. Alan Iverson brought the hip-hop culture of his time to the league. He was able to have a massive cultural change. He was able to bleed in the culture into the game. Now, obviously Dame can't do that at his level because that has already been brought in by the Alan Iversons, continued through the likes of LeBron James who also brought that aspect with him Because of guys like Alan Iverson. But Damian Lillard is kind of the next step up. He is 
that version of this time where he kind of bleeds that connection out into the hip-hop world. And that's kind of because his rapability is getting him a lot of kind of collaborations, a lot of contacts within the hip-hop community. It kind of bleeds that in. Yes, you could argue that LeBron had that anyway, but LeBron is already the MJ level. He's already the top star. They're going to have that type of contact. LeBron, yeah, we know that he's like the little brother to Jay-Z, but it's it's a different vibe. And the reason why I say it's a different vibe is because Damian Lillard is very much in the position of Alan Iverson, is that in that same position of they can't catch a break, they can't catch a ring. They've got teams, but they can't catch the break. Now, you could argue that Damian Lillard has a way better supporting cast You could also argue that Damian Lillard would have had so much more better of a supporting cast if he would have had Brandon Roy in Portland waiting for him when he arrived. Because that team shouted star power. Brandon Roy, Damian Lillard, LaMarcus Ulrich, that was a team. Alan Iverson, when he got there, he had uh, not quite as much of a team. But over time... They kind of found some pieces. Eventually, they found Iggy down the road. They found Lou Will down the road. Before that, they had Chris Webb for a little bit. So he kind of had pieces here and there. Eric Snow, you can't really mention too much. Aaron McKee, yeah, you can't really mention too much. But you get my point. He had Matumbo at one point as well. But they're kind of both in that position of can't catch a break, can't catch a ring. And... Hip-hop cultural bringers. Now, if you look at the stats, obviously, Alan Iverson's a scoring machine. Damian Lillard has a bit more defense than what Alan Iverson had, but maybe that's a height thing. Maybe it's just the way of play. Alan Iverson always wanted to get to the cup. He wanted, he preferred to drive, whereas Damian Lillard, he's a shooting guy. He loves to shoot, and... Alan Iverson wasn't as clutch as what Dame is at the end of a game because I think it's pretty much known every year now. You wait until the end of a season or the playoffs and you're going to see a highlight where you see Damien Lillard hit a clutch three to win a game. That seems to be a season phenomenon at this point every time he plays. Every season he plays, that's usually what you get now. Now, Alan Iverson probably didn't have a grand team at any point in his career, not with the Sixers. He had kind of a nice team with the Denver Nuggets, but he was never really invested. He was probably invested in Carmelo and J.R. Smith, he kind of got along with them, but he wasn't invested as he was when he was a Sixer. And... With Damian Lillard, he's fully invested in Portland. So they've both got that solid team that they they represent. Alan Iverson was Philly's man. Damian Lillard is Portland's man. So even if Portland said bye-bye Damian Lillard, which I can't see them doing because it's a different type of franchise, but if they were to do that, you already know he's not going to play to the same kind of mindset as he does in Portland. It's a bit like DeMar DeRozan, how he's solid with the Spurs, but he's not got the heart that he had when he was with Toronto. 
So it's very much like that. And Damian Lillard, he he's a little bit different because the team that he is now bringing together in Portland is starting to look a little bit better. Obviously, you've got Nurkic, you've got CJ McCollum. They've just brought in Rocco from the Sixers. Well, he was now with uh, Houston. He was with Houston last, which is kind of funny because he came into the league from being in the G League, being a Valley Viper. Shout out to them. Um, but he ended up with the Sixers, did grand for them, and then got passed out to the Timberwolves, ended up with Houston. Now he's going to Portland. He's giving them shooting ability over there. They are a a very good shooting team. The problem with Portland is they never get over the hump. And the the problem there is I don't think they ever will now because a team like the Denver Nuggets is starting to boost up and be at a better level to what Portland is. And that kind of sucks because Denver disappeared for a long time. And now all of a sudden with Jamal Murray and uh, the Joker and the people that they've got there, they're starting to boost right up. They're starting to step up. They've got a young team that's starting to become a new level. That's kind of the same with Adam Iverson. He, He was with the Sixers and they had that one season where they were right there. And then all of a sudden... Boom, they couldn't get back to that position because there was others coming up. It was kind of a difficult place to be. You had the magic that was starting to make their their way up and up and up, especially around 2004. You had Toronto that was having that bit of a debate because they had Vince Carter that was kind of, oh, will he stay, will he won't, do we want him, do we not? But ultimately, going back to where I'm saying, where the core of this argument is... I see Alan Iverson's comparison figure from a position in the league standpoint in the Hollywood picture of the NBA as Damian Lillard. Now, for play style comparison, you could say Russell Westbrook. You could say kind of Trey Burke, but on a lesser level. But from a position of the league and what they do for the league, Damian Lillard, Alan Iverson. From a play perspective, Anne Iverson, Russell Westbrook. A re-edited classic. Start the ending in Coppola's vision. The Godfather Coda. The Godfather 3 re-edited in Coppola's vision. Is coming December 6th in certain theatres. December 8th on Blu-ray a potentially Amazon Prime and DVD. I'll definitely go and check it out, especially if you're a Godfather fan, if you like that classic movie that everyone is kind of up and down about. Some people love it, some people hate it. And the third film specifically people usually hate, but I kind of enjoyed. I'm definitely going to do a review on it and talk about it a little bit at some point, either here on the podcast, definitely on YouTube, so be sure to check that out. The Godfather Coda, December 6th in certain theatres, December 8th for purchase. From one side of the NBA to the other, the video games, NBA 2K, they bring it out every single year. NBA Live has kind of disappeared a little bit, but I'm sure they'll be back. 
Uh, they definitely dominate the mobile game, but they will be back on this generation at some point. They kind of leave a, a year or so between games, so fair play to them. NBA 2K, though, they brought out my career um, like every year. You could say it was lazy this year because it's very much the same on last year and next year. It's just that they've, they've added a nice branch to the next-gen version, which I think is kind of cool. They brought in the G League. Now, all the players in the G League that you play against are my players, uh, so not the official players of the G League, but I guess it's kind of hard to get all that licensed. I'm not quite sure. Um, I've not actually played the my league to see if they use the official players of uh, the G League, but it might be worth having a look at. The G League story sees you team up with uh, Vlad the Impaler that was in the uh, game where they brought the G League kind of informally I think um, 2K19 it was I might be wrong on that um, also Shami Wells who was your kind of co-star in 2K18-19 I believe uh, they brought in ATM who was probably 2016-2017 and they brought in Jackson Ellis who was 2k14, 2k15 they're kind of your co-stars in the G League this year um, you can choose your G League team and no matter which team you pick they're going to be your teammates so be happy with them <laughs> um, I think at some point as well you go up against uh, guys that you actually played as so Freak uh, President um, all them guys I can't really think of all the guys that they gave you the different nicknames, but they've kind of created lookalikes, or kind of if you go back and look at the trailers of the NBA 2K games, you can see um, these players represented as the look that 2K have for them instead of uh, your face game or your created player, which would have been kind of cool if you... You did that, apart from if you create the same guy every year, or if you had a face scan every year, it would kind of be you facing you, be kind of strange. Um, but I do kind of like the way they did it. Um, I do like this my career setup, the my player setup, how they've now got a city which is epic. Like to me, it is the grand step forward. So a conversation that I always used to have was. Um, someone that mentioned to me that if Grand Theft Auto Online had NBA 2K kind of put in there now granted we haven't got Grand Theft Auto Robin shooting going on in NBA 2K's um, new city but you could see how that aspect could work and it's kind of cool not to have that anyway just to be able to just go around the city doing different things either looking at other people playing in the park going to the different stores uh, buying a, a bike or a chopper bike going and buying different brands of clothing different jewels, different superhero stuff that I've got going on there that you can costume up to be as it's kind of cool what they've got and they can only expand on that up until next year's title so there should be a lot to come from that not to mention they've now got um, certain YouTubers that president certain areas of uh, the map that have got different teams or street teams. So you've got uh, the one that I was actually put in and where I wanted to be anyway was the Southside Vipers, which is by Shakedown. Uh, you've got Troiden, who has the Westside Wildcats. 
Uh, you've got the East Side Beast, which I can't think who runs that. And you've got the North Side Knights, and I'm not even sure who runs that. So go and check all that out on YouTube. I'm not sure who the other ones are. I know that Troy Dunn was with the Wildcats, so I wasn't going there. <laughs> and I definitely wanted to go south anyway with the Vipers with Shake because he's the dribble tutorial guy every year so i know that he's kind of in my kind of realm of how i want to play so i kind of see what his vision was going to be for valley for um south side vipers valley vipers i was mentioning because i'm with the rio grande valley vipers for the nba2 career g league aspect i'm also going to do the college play just so that i can do a youtube video to talk about um the whole my career aspect as it is but yeah i do like what they've done with it i think there's the only thing they can do with it now is expand it out add um official g league players in there be able to do an update to get the right face scans actually in the my career instead of you having to start a new one to get them in because something i found out was players like Kasha stanley that currently haven't got face scans in the game when they're updated, it probably won't update in your my career. They'll be kept as um, my player creative faces, which kind of sucks. Um, but other than that, I think it's kind of cool. I think with the college career, they've now had it so that you can kind of do four years in college, which is kind of cool. I might want to run that route with the, the second character, which I'm pretty much going to do the same build, but run it in um college as well and kind of lengthen out the college career so that i've i've got time there um it also gives me another aspect of i can kind of jump between what team i want to play for because at this moment at this moment in time i'm thinking probably new york because they're going to need a standout guard and then probably oklahoma because they're going to need a decent point guard so they're probably the teams i was going to go with on last gen I actually ended up um, going with the Miami Heat because of Dragic potentially looking towards the end of his career or his end of a career in Miami. Um, so I went there. The other place that I was potentially thinking of was the Utah Jazz. So there's different things that you should kind of put in perspective when choosing your team. The one thing that I would absolutely prefer is if they created... A smart intelligence to the game where you were drafted again but actually drafted in a place that could actually do with your skills because I don't like picking a team I prefer to be drafted because I don't like having that choice because I kind of ultimately want to go to the Sixers anyway because that's the team that I support but then at the same time I don't want to do that because I don't want to play with favourites. I kind of want to just land somewhere and run with it. So now my mindset is usually, okay, where would I fit best on a smaller building team rather than, okay, LeBron needs a point guard in the Lakers and I'm getting an automatic dub. I prefer to work for that rather than just have it landed. But that's my thought process when it comes to nba 2k my career um that's how i play but yeah i like what they've done there's so much more they could do i know a lot of people hate the city access 
because now you have to play a bunch of games depending on how good you are or how good your team is um, in the three on three uh, blacktop games in order to get into the city so you have to go from a level one rookie in rookieville to becoming uh, a level one pro in order to actually get in the city so you become a brown shirt and run through all of that and the one thing that came to my mind was well you could really do this like 2k you could actually turn that aspect into boiling brook <laughs> and it'd be like prison games before you get released into the city it was just something that come to mind i might have to mention that on youtube when i talk about that but yeah nba 2k my career definitely check it out on next gen um if you check it out on last gen you'll basically get all that apart from the city is basically the same as it always was before it's actually just a neighborhood um the my career you'll only have the college route um but yeah i would definitely say because it's the same story if you've not played it on last gen just wait until you get to next gen um if you've played it on last gen then go for it on next gen anyway because the city is a whole lot different it's it brings a whole different vibe and um yeah try the g league story rather than the college one you know what time it is keo perico yeah we're gonna get into this we're gonna talk about this right now So, maybe I am hyping this up way too much, but this could potentially be the last expansion, the last DLC to the PlayStation 4 last-gen version of Grand Theft Auto Online and Grand Theft Auto 5 Online. Obviously, we don't know what's going to come of the two. We know that Grand Theft Auto 5 and Grand Theft Auto Online are coming to next-gen. We know that they are potentially giving us a standalone online version which i think could be the start of good things for grand theft auto online overall i did write about this on the blog which you'll get to see in proper format soon you can actually see it on the website right now the wordsmart.com but there is a rebrand going on you'll be able to see it a lot better once that's that's gone down but you can check it out now if you wish i also want to do a video on it for youtube very soon also um Kale Pelico, I think it could be an expansion that kind of tells the tale of what is to come for Grand Theft Auto Online. I think they could potentially continue to expand it um, worldly. And this doesn't necessarily mean that they have to do it all on one map. They could potentially just do it a bit like Grand Theft Auto San Andreas where you would go to the airport in order to travel to the next city or another part of the city and i think they could definitely bring in that aspect to grand theft auto online um in order to just add more um something that i saw mentioned was if they were to do that split you wouldn't get the updates graphically uh every time they bring out a new title like a standalone single player version of gta 6 that's going to come out with different graphical options they could still potentially do that for Grand Theft Auto Online. It's just that you would have to have a massive update on there, which stands by the fact that they would have to make it a standalone so that you're not taking up way too much space. Um, they would probably eventually 
end up having to recommend people use external hard drives because the current console was not holding that. I suppose they could potentially push it until they actually reached the 800 or so gigabyte max and then turn around and say, okay, at this point, we're not going to go any further because we know your consoles could only get our online version of the game on the console. So we'll wait until the next gen. But what you could technically do with that is have a 2 to 5 gigabyte, uh, terabyte hard drive and it wouldn't even max 1 terabyte. So you could still play all your other games and play this online massive experience. But from Rockstar's marketing and kind of relationship standpoint with PlayStation and Sony, you will probably go as far as what their consoles would allow on save data because then you're recommending them into going for external hard drives and when Sony and Microsoft don't offer console external hard drives uh, in their catalogue to purchase, it's kind of hard to really push players to do that um, just outrightly because then you're kind of saying go and buy from a second third party supplier in order to get all our game on your console um, and they kind of need them relationships tied up with PlayStation and Microsoft because in a way they're kind of wanted anyway because of how notorious they are but at the same time um, it's good for them to have that relationship. K.O. Pelico, though, it brings in new weaponry, it brings in new vehicles. It could potentially bring out more Space Age future stuff, but I wouldn't be surprised if it brings out more kind of guerrilla warfare type stuff because we're talking about a drug baron island private island we know we're getting the special submarine anyway that's going to be crazy because i'd imagine they'll have an aspect of torpedoes not only that probably massive missile things it'll probably work a bit like how you could kind of completely obliterate someone on the map by having a certain um I can't actually think what it is but there's a certain thing in GTA now which you can purchase and just obliterate someone on the map at a press of a button um, I'd imagine they might add that sort of thing with the submarine so it's definitely something to watch out for and keep an eye on um, I prefer them to keep it a lot more standard elsewhere um, bringing kind of military vehicles if they have to but keep them a little bit more true to life um, I think they'll probably go a bit more wild and wacky because, you know, Drug Baron's going to invest into all sorts, probably. Um, well, the GTA one, anyway. Um, weaponry, they could really go guerrilla warfare. They could go deeper into army and military type of weaponry. But they'll probably go a little bit more futuristic. Um, have kind of a laser type deal in there. Map and layout of the land, it is very um, drug baron-esque. Um, he does a lot of growth on the island by the looks of it from what you can see. Uh, that's probably not vegetables, um, but there you go. Um, I've also seen a lot of crews already say they, 
they want to represent KO Pellico. They've actually already got crew emblems and everything together to say it. But this is what don't make sense for me. So from someone that has been in the environment of the Grand Theft Auto Online MC community and whatnot, it doesn't make sense to me that you would claim KO Pellico because KO Pellico is owned by a drug baron. Drug Baron usually has a cartel. Cartels usually don't play that nicely with the groups. And if they do, they definitely don't want them on their own island. Like, if they were going to work with a motorcycle club, they would make sure that the motorcycle club was on the mainland and they only kind of had them to transfer goods. They wouldn't have them sit on the island with you. So it doesn't really make sense that... People want to represent K.O. Pelica, but there you go. Because I'd imagine you won't kill the Baron. I'd imagine you just rob him. And I suppose potentially that could lead to GTA 6, which is why this DLC is also very interesting. Because the Baron in there could potentially be a big piece of the puzzle for GTA 6. Um, you know, a Baron that has lost everything uh, because of your online player pretty much and then goes to Miami Vice City to kind of re-establish his empire um, and his connections with Colombia or whatever Colombia will be known as so I think that's that's kind of a cool aspect that they might add in there link it straight into GTA 6 then they'll be able to advertise it get it ready for kind of a release probably around 2023 ish 24 ish um but it does kind of leave online open for a few years which is where they gradually expand different aspects of it on next gen especially if it's a standalone because you could add other islands or different mapped areas i suppose in a way you could push us into Colombia if they wanted but that's a massive leap um but yeah, I see K.O. Pellico as the key to the expansion, the future of Rockstar Games and Grand Theft Auto as an entity. So definitely go and log into that December 15th. I'm going to have a video coming for that as well on YouTube. Probably going to run through that whole thing solo so you'll be able to see that very soon. And with that being said, we're at the end of episode 3. Thank you for stopping by, and I will see you next time.